This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. We're just going to take just a few minutes this morning, uh, not so much a message, but just me speaking from my heart. I believe we're living in a, a moment, a beautiful moment of bravery, where I want to inspire you today, hopefully over the next few minutes, to own the process of stepping into your true identity. What would it look like? How would it affect the world if we entered in to the personhood of who we were always created to be? What would that look like? What kind of change would that bring to the world? The other day I was watching a memorial service of one of my former um, professors in college in Bible school. And he had passed away and there was a, a beautiful tribute to his life. And what was so impressive to me was hearing from the grandchildren about his life. Because think about it. God wants to see something multi-generational happen in his body so that there can be something established on the earth. If you look back through the Old Testament, everything was done in threes. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Three generations where God does something otherworldly in not only the lives of one generation, not only in the lives of two generations, but in the lives of multiple generations. Are you following me? And so these grandkids were sharing about their relationship with their grandfather. And the granddaughter was a granddaughter and grandson. Both just did such an incredible job just expressing their love and and admiration of their grandfather. But the daughter said something, granddaughter said something that really struck me. She said, when I think of my granddad, I think of Jesus. When I would see my grandfather, I would see Jesus. And I was thinking, wow, no greater legacy than for multiple generations to see the Lord in a human life. You know, we talk about this connection that Jesus bridged the gap to the Father that is so profound and so powerful. And oftentimes, I don't think we understand the practice of what that's all about. So I want to spend just a little bit of time today just kind of throwing out some thoughts for you to ponder, to think about, Because it's going to be the key in owning our true identity, to understand what this whole father thing is all about. Because the father is our source of origin. He's who we derive our name from. He's the the substance of all things that we actually carry on the inside that God is awakening us to. It's a beautiful and profound thing. So I want to just show you the scripture real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he writes this. He says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, what does he say? You have not many 
fathers. For in Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now look at verse 16. This is really important to catch. He says, therefore, imitate me, follow me. Now I want us to just ponder the the, the profound implications of these two simple scriptures that Paul is, is speaking to his disciples when he's He's talking about you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. You have not many fathers. I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, imitate me. Do you remember in the Old Testament, there's this story of uh, Samuel and Eli, right? And Eli was not Samuel's natural father, but he was a father figure to Samuel's life. How many of you know that fathers... um, Fatherhood is a whole lot bigger bigger than just producing children, right? The the greater thing about fatherhood is actually the teaching and learning um, that that fathers play in the lives of of their kids and other people. And this is, again, this is not a gender message today. So if you're a mom today, this applies to you. If you're a woman, this applies to you. But there's such a profound implication of the example of one's life as it pertains to fatherhood and that being passed down to the next generation that that is is very, very, um, very, very important for us to capture. And you remember when, when Samuel was sleeping at night, he hears this voice call his name. Does anybody remember whose voice he felt like he was hearing? Eli's voice. And he got up and he asked Eli, like, did you call me? And he says, no. And then he goes back and he hears the voice again. It was a, the, sounded like the voice of Eli. And then he goes back and he, and he hears the voice again. He comes out. And actually it was the Lord. But I want you to think about this. You see, seeing and being able to hear the Lord sounds like someone we know here. I believe in, you know, the whole reality of of us having moments in his presence or reading the word where we have this picture or understanding of God the Father and his character and his nature. But Paul gives a really profound implication here in 1 Corinthians that says, hey, it's not just about that. It's not just about revelation moments. It's got to be balanced, and, 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 the, and the move of God that he's going to bring to the world is, is really going to be seen through people actually manifesting and carrying his nature and being an example to other people on what the Father actually looks like. Because when he's talking about you have 10,000 instructors and you have not many fathers... Here's what he's talking about. And let me illustrate it through something that I, that I picked up on, on Instagram the other day. It was a young leader in the body of Christ, probably in his 20s. And he said this statement. He said, he said all, and this is an extreme statement, but for him it was reality. He said, all of the leaders that I admired throughout my, my, my upbringing in Christ prior to becoming a pastor have all fallen. All of them. 
incredibly gifted individuals, amazing communicators, understand the word better than anybody in terms of just, just grasping it and being able to communicate and articulate it. But Paul is saying that, that teachers or instructors is not what's going to get the job done. It's not just about speaking messages as much as it is, is, as it is about living the message. So when Paul's contrasting and comparing instructors to fathers, he's basically saying, hey, it's not about what you say, it's about what you actually do. And this guy knew religion inside and out. And I'm I'm saying religion in a negative sense. He was all about the law. He was a Pharisee, and I'm talking about Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised on the eighth day. He had all the, the pedigree of one of the best teachers that was known to man, yet he was producing death through his life until he's riding on the road to Damascus and what happens with Paul? He sees the Lord, right? And then he's not just out of that moment of revelation left there, he's actually brought into a company of friends to which he sees the Lord in as well. Are you following me? So it's revelation, but it's also application by people who are actually living this thing out that's going to turn this thing around. Now, we could go into, you know, the, the, the implications of, of the breakdown in the family and culture today and all of those kind of things. People have had good fathers, bad fathers, no fathers. But what I, what I want to say is the, 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 the reaches of the instructor thing, this instructor reality is, is very far, far expanding right now in terms of like the dynamics of the generation that we live in. I was watching a documentary with Wendy and there's this kind of trend right now that's very dark, very broken um, called swatting. And it's where they, they, they make phone calls um, into a particular place and say, hey, I planted a bomb, da-da-da-da-da. And it's all out of an attempt to be recognized, to be noticed. And as I was watching this, I was like, how in the world would someone come to a place where they get their validation off of accomplishing a, a dark deed that's actually seen on the news. How would, they, how would they get to a place where that's what brings them validation? And, and the guy that was doing the inter, inter, uh, interview on this one young man who was sentenced to 20, 20 years because eventually someone got killed because of him, you know, doing this swatting thing. And, and an innocent man was shot. It was a terrible tragedy that happened. And when he was asking this young man what was, what was behind all of this, he says, I was, I was instructed or I was raised by social media and online gaming. That's what he was able to see. That was what was, what was given to him as, a, as something that, that he was able to take in and learn from. He had no ability to work a, a meaningful job because of who he was as, as a kid that had no parents and, and was raised in this world. I, I just throw that out because there's a lot of things going on in our culture right now that are bringing instruction to the next generation. YouTubers, right? Influencers. We, we, we watch, we observe the lives of these people. And Paul is saying, listen, 
The, the, the move of Holy Spirit that's going to happen in this time is going to be not just people talking about stuff that doesn't, that doesn't actually bear any weight in their own life in terms of spiritually, or is it going to come from people that don't understand the Father? That's just going to continue to be brokenness. It's going to be true fathers being raised up. There's this song in 1974 that was written by a guy named Harry Chapin called Cats in the Cradle. Does anybody remember that song? Anybody know about it? It's still played on the radio today, young people. Can I get an amen? It's still played out there on, on 70s, 80s, 90s music, right? And how does the, the song, it has, a, it has a really kind of unique chorus. It says, a cat's, cat's in the cradle and silver spoon, little boy blue and a man in the moon, right? But what's the, what's the meaning behind that song? Anybody want to say? Anybody out there? Peter, what's the meaning behind the song, Cat's in the Cradle? We give a huge hand clap to this 70s man right here. Peter Tucker, everybody. Nailed it. Nailed it. So he's saying, he was saying, in case you didn't hear that, that the father was very busy and yet the son wanted validation. He wanted time with the father, but the father was too busy. And later on in, in the life of the father, when he is ending his career, settling his life down, now the son is coming up, has a family, has a lot of responsibilities. And he has this revelation where he says, my son has become just like me. And I was thinking about that. Like whatever our instructor is, whatever we've seen, even if we hate it, if something else doesn't intervene, step in and give us a perspective to see that is beautiful and clear from God, we will become like that instructor that we are beholding in our lives, whether we like it or not. I was telling Randy that, that I was four weeks in a jury selection process for a capital murder trial here in Broward County. Just, just came out of this thing. I didn't get, I didn't get seated on the jury, but I, I went from a thousand jurors down to 24 and I was like, oh my Lord, God, am I going to be locked away for eight weeks trying this capital murder trial? I've got a lot going on in my life, but the Lord used that time in so many ways. And one of the times was on a break, we were sitting out in the, in the waiting area outside the courtroom and there was another courtroom right next to us. And it had, you know, many, many cases that were being tried. And there was this young man that was sitting there and he had his Bible open. And so I just kind of engaged him. Hey, you got the word, you're sharpening yourself with the, with the, with the sword of the Lord, you know, and, and we just kind of got in this conversation and God, I, I don't, I don't understand how or why this happened, but this young man just began to open up his life to me. And even though he had this hunger and this desire for Jesus, he was saying that, man, my life is a mess and I can't escape. And this is the word and terminology that he used. He says, I can't escape the generational curses of my family. And I wanted to tell him, we didn't get into it in big, big, in big measure, but I, was, I, I really believe that the generational curses over families has been broken in Christ. 
all they need to do is see something different. Because if they just behold their upbringing or their past or they stay stuck in, in, hey, this is what went down in my life, they're never going to be able to break free. Let's look at one last scripture as we wrap this up. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus is speaking. And here's what he says. He said to all of his followers, verse 23, he says, if you truly desire to be my disciple... You must disown your life completely, embrace the cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. This is where I believe we can move from fragility to faithfulness. When we step out of the life that we were once living in and walk into the life of Jesus, we gotta understand, Jesus was simply what? A doorway to the Father for us to enter into this relationship with him. And Jesus spent the majority of his life listening, watching, you know, paying attention to all that the father was doing. He had this ability to connect in and see the father, right? But it didn't stop there. Then he lived out an example of the father to all of his disciples, right? He, he put the father on display. This is very important for us to understand. He didn't just have this revelation of the father. He actually lived out. In fact, the Bible says that he was the express image. It was like that you couldn't get a closer match of the father and Jesus. They, they, he was, he was exactly this. And he spent 30 years giving himself to this space, hearing, watching, listening, and then living this thing out. And so when he's talking here to his disciples, and he said, if you want to be a learner of me, you need to embrace my cross. In other words, you need to die to who you once were. If you want to hold on to that old person, man, it's not going to get you to where I'm calling you to go. You need to die to that. You need to come in just completely separated from that old self and then look at my life as an example and follow me. I think so often we hold on to the old nature, our old selves, because we don't really have anybody to to show us what it looks like to emulate the Father. We have 10,000, if you will, instructors in the body of Christ, but not that many fathers. But guess what? That's changing. This thing is getting authentic and real. Religion is no longer in its strength, having its way in the body. People are tired of it. They're tired of church as normal. They're tired of just gifted people standing on stages. Of, of movements that, that are built on personality, but no substance. There's a, there's a generation that's crying out, show us the Father. That's where the disciples have gotten to. They were like, Jesus, show us the Father. And then when he said, listen, when you see me, guess what? You see the Father, follow me. So when Jesus is saying, hey, take up your cross and follow me, he's talking about death to an old life and resurrection in a new one that he's putting on to display that we can learn from. It's super practical. 
I'm sure they got revelation of like the goodness of God. I'm sure they began to come to understanding as Jesus unfolded the scriptures to them of, of his omnipotence and his omnipresence and, and, and all of his attributes. But they actually, even beyond that, they saw it in Jesus's life. They saw it in the life of Jesus. Verse 24, we're wrapping this up. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory. See, we, we think, <laughs> this is the lie that the, gener- the, the enemy tells a generation. Oh, if you follow Jesus, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna miss out on all the fun that you were once having. How many of you know that before Christ... What you thought was fun was not fun at all. Come on, somebody. It was misery, really, at the end of the day. If you follow that thing out, and sometimes people just have to go down that road to the end, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, I I am so over this life. There's got to be something more, right? And then you start searching. You're looking for someone to show you the way. Like, is there anybody out there that, that, that I can follow as an example? So we're talking about giving up our old life. We're talking about just, hey, letting that go and entering into who we were always created to be. Becoming our truest authentic self as followers of the Lord. He says, if you give up your lives, that old self for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more, what does it say? True life. Like real life. Like life that you wake up every day and you're like, this is what I was born to look like. This is how I was born to live. Come on, we talk all the time in the church about how we're always going to be broken and how we're always going to be sinners. That is not the gospel. That's a self-defeating eschatological reality. I'm so down on the bummer town people that are believing that everything's just going to be a total mess. No, Jesus paid for something way greater. He paid for a generation to be transformed through his example that came down into the life of Peter and James and John and the Apostle Paul and many others that set the course for human history. This is way bigger than church. This is way bigger than some meetings. I'm talking authentic people that are living this thing out with the truest self of who they were always created to be. I think we've seen enough death in the world. Wouldn't you say? Anybody else tired of the brokenness in culture? Anybody really have a dream to see transformation actually rest upon our cities? Come on. We've got churches on every corner. We need to see something bigger than church. I mean, in the way that it's been done, we need to see people awaken to who they were always created to be. We were sitting in the back today, and I just felt this on my heart as it related to Landon. I was like, Landon, there's something on the inside of you that you just need to pray out. You need to express. And he just started going on and on about, hey, we already carry the glory of God. I was like, oh, he's getting it, Lord. He said, we just now need to live it out. It's in us. We have it. We possess it. Christ in us, the very hope of glory. Now just start living it out. Is that just for a pastor, for some worship leader? No. It's for the entire body of Christ.
says, but if you choose to keep your lives, then the band can come back up. You will lose what you try to keep. You see, when we try to hold on, like sometimes we're so dysfunctional in our identity that we, we, we actually have this codependent um, relationship with the self that we used to be. And Holy Spirit's like, let it go. That was never you. That was never who I intended for you to be. That was, that was not the essence of, of who you are in me. There's, there's something far greater. And shame and condemnation gets all up in that space. And we feel so defeated as we make mistakes. And trust me, then the enemy's there to whisper in my ear and tell us, hey, I knew you weren't, a, weren't the real deal. I knew you were all messed up on the inside. Who do you think you are that you're going to change the world? And this is where the love of the Father begins to come in and start, starts to meet us on the seashore like he did Peter after his failures. He could have sat there and said, Peter, I told you that you were going to mess up. I knew it. I told you before it even happened that you were going to deny me three times. And instead, in that moment, he said, hey, let's sit down and let's have a meal together. And he's like, Peter, do you love me? And Peter acknowledged in his own capacity that the best thing maybe he could give Jesus is some measure of a friendship, but he couldn't love him without an agenda. You know, that's a beautiful place to start where we realize God in my own strength, in my own religious zeal, in my own desires, I can't bring anything to the table. Come on, this is for somebody in the room today. But the Lord is there in those moments. And he's like, now I can work with that. Lose your life. Let it go. Stop depending on that person that you once were. Stop gaining and garnering strength from a reality that's not going to be able to bring life. And give yourself over to me. And I will give you something so otherworldly. Come on. Paul was transformed completely. He was killing believers. Even the disciples, when the Lord told them, hey, go get this guy. They're like, heck no, Lord. Like he's been killing us, right? They didn't even believe that he had been changed. And yet he was. The most hardened, broken, religiously deranged hearts can be transformed by the love of God. There's hope for every heart. But you know, God wants us not just to be faithful because we're moving from fragility to faithfulness, but there's some, another step that I want to just throw out there. I believe he wants us to move from faithfulness to fruitfulness. Say that word with me, fruitfulness. Lots of faithful believers come to church every Sunday, volunteer for the worship team, sign up as a door greeter, faithful in their giving. It's awesome. But that's kind of where the church has been for about 30 years. God wants us now to be fruitful. Come on, there's a world that is hungry starving just like Joseph there is a famine in the land 
a big time famine of the word of God being put on display. When I'm talking about fruitfulness, I'm talking about this essence of Jesus just exuding from our lives, not in a religious way. People can sniff that out. The lost can sniff that out better than even people in the church. I'm talking about an authentic life that has been born again in God, that has died to their old self, that now has not only come into the doorway, but has walked and connected to the Father. Because fruitfulness is so important, he says, even in verse 25, if you gained all the wealth and the power of this world and everything that it could offer you, yet lost your soul in the process, what good is that? Here's, here's the beautiful thing. God wants us to gain the world. See, we could turn religious the other way. And, oh, we're just gonna all be poor. We're all gonna, you know, just kind of, not really be successful in our businesses and our practices in in the marketplace. No, we're gonna be actually thriving in those places, but not for ourselves. The purpose of this is to have authority and influence to leverage the beautiful gospel of the kingdom as fathers and mothers in the world. So what if we thought about this beautiful reality of us carrying the glory of the Father, not just being teachers, but carrying his essence everywhere we go. People can tell. When that young man sat next to me, I said I was in awe, but I just, I just knew, hey, listen, there was a safe space here for him to open up his heart in a 10 minute conversation. Some deep things he said to me, but it's because the glory of God lives in me and lives in you. Fathers arise, no longer fragile, faithful, no longer just faithful, fruitful. Put the Lord on display as you die to your old self. We can't live and go to this next stage anymore. Okay, I just got to say this. Anybody have a hard time dying? (laughs) It's hard to die. Like you don't, we weren't made to die. Like you want to fight, you want to press through. You want to just try to endure and get to the other side. But listen, that doesn't work in spiritual terms. You have to say, okay, it's over. I'm not going to do this anymore. You have to come to a place where you totally surrender, totally give up. That's hard for type A personalities. Trust me, I know I'm one of them. I kept fighting, fighting, fighting. Finally, I was like, Lord, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. He's like, finally, Darren. Now you can let me take over. Could we just take just a minute and just sing a little something to the Lord and let's just see what Holy Spirit wants to do today. It's, this is a key moment. Like I'm really believing that there'll be an army of ones, one by one raised up that will be there for people to see the Lord, just like Mr. Delp was to his grandkids. 
just like Eli was to Samuel, just like Paul was to his churches that he planted. Real fathers. Real fathers. To break this orphan spirit off the world. Yeah, let's lift this up. think about this as we get ready to leave when he talks about seeing the Lord whether he saw that in Revelation or he saw that through a life of a person he realizes that now the love of God is wooing him to be the one now that he wants to flow through talking about Holy Spirit and the Father to others could we just before the throne of grace today Tell the Father, this is how we want to build our lives. Could there be a sobriety over us today to really own the process of stepping into who we were always created to be, to move out of the shame condemnation cycle and move into life and life abundant? Could you just take one minute, just one minute and just say, By the grace of God, Father, I agree with this. I say yes to this. Empower me to live this.
our lives on the example of Jesus that was passed down to fathers and to mothers, to people that we rub elbows with in the body of Christ. Lord, may it be greater in this moment than in any other moment in the life of your church. May fathers and mothers arise out of their sonship and their daughterhood with you in this place. One last time, holy, as we close out our time today. Come on, every voice. Could you stand as we close? that I am the door I am the way to life no one can come to the Father except through me it was his example and us following that example taking on his nature losing our old life being resurrected into that true authentic self that we were always created to be is what will bring us in to the household of faith where life can exist, life that is abundant. Walk through that door, follow him, leave that old life behind. Endure the process of his love, his prodigal love over you. Don't turn away, turn to him and he'll come running. He will come and provide grace and help in a time of trouble. 
He wants authenticity in his bride. Now is the time. This is our portion. Could we give the Lord a hand for that? Just a big clap offering, Lord. Thank you. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we have been born again according to the gospel. Come on. Thank you that we've been brought into this thing called the family of faith through the gospel, through what your son accomplished. We love you, Lord. Listen, God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.